yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking my freedom. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. I would like to welcome you, technically Jewish or not, you are a wonderful <laughs> guest to have on the Balance Beautiful Abundance show. This is Luke Cohen, everyone, and we go way back, let me tell you, to 2017, <laughs> where I found myself in the Mayan jungle, and I was literally like curled up in a corner puking my guts out. I had no idea that Luke was a healer, and he was like praying over me and saying Indian chants over me, and he didn't leave my side, and I was just throwing up, and he was like, don't worry, you're purging your whole lineage, you're going to be so much better after that, and I was, and now that I know more about who you are, and you're such a powerful stand for love and change, and just progressive thinking in the world, I was just so blessed to go through such a harrowing experience with a healer like you right by my side. It was like a total manifestation. So when I connected with you on Instagram, I'm like, I have got to get him on the Balanced Beautiful Abundance show because you don't realize the people that you impact and how. For you, it was maybe just a passing hour or two in an afternoon in Mexico. But for me, it was a pivotal point in my life where I really mm. got to shift and change and purge. And so thank you so much for just being who you are and being present in that pivotal point in my life. I really am mm. grateful for you. It's a really warming feeling in my heart to be welcomed on in that reflection and, and recognition of that moment in time for you. Yeah, that, those things flow really effortless for me. I, I, you know, 
when I'm in person, if someone's really in it, like spirit or life just usually brings me right, right to them. So having been in the festival scene for a while, that was also the case for me. And later, you know, at conferences, you know, there's always someone that needs to hear the right thing in the right moment. <laughs> there you were. So. I was so grateful. So let me tell my guests a little bit about your amazing background. So Luke Cohen is a mentor, an artist, a speaker, and an ecopreneur. He has been on his path of being of tremendous service in the world as a community builder, combining social impact, social impact entrepreneurship with environmentalism and universal wisdom traditions. He is committed to co-creating eco-villages, new government models, and educational institutes in the world. And I love this. He is a modern bard sharing music, poetry, and powerful messages and traveling the world. And right now you're in Bali and I'm in LA and we're talking on Zoom and we're broadcasting on Facebook <laughs> Live. What a global world we're in. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm all about helping respark the feeling of being part of a global village that we really are at a crossroads in our collective journey where we get to recognize the impact of our, of our shared choices uh, on our environment, on cultures. And uh, it's been a sensitive journey for me to live in Bali, uh, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be on this land and as a, as a, as a guest and uh, build deeper relationships with the original people here and, and, and yeah, just recognize my impact of being here. It's, I'm really grateful to be living in Bali, especially how at this long, time. How long have you been there? Well, I lived here for about six months last year and was, was traveling for the other six and then knew I would be moving here this year. And then with the Rona, like I got in, I got back just in time and, you know, be getting my two-year working visa in a couple of days, and fully committed to staying here. And it's what, yeah, life has been really clear that Bali's where I'm meant to be for this next chapter. So it's in that surrender process of uh, living in a foreign country, very far away from my, uh, you know, origins. So yeah, let's talk it. about your origin story. Like, how did you? grow up? What was your childhood like? How did you end up on a spiritual path? Yeah, right on. So I, I grew up in a lower middle class family in New York City, specifically in Staten Island in Brooklyn, and uh, a very artistic family. You know, my, my mom's a painter. Both my parents are psychologists. So there was like a personal growth, kind of hippie energy uh, that was there. And my sisters were both musicians and actresses and singers. And my dad's a poet, and, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of creative energy growing up. Um, my family had its, you know, fair share of dysfunction, like any family. And, uh, you know, as an old soul, I was, I was always kind of, um, just very observant of some of the fundamental distortions of our sort of our societies or cultures and was very outspoken and would get like in trouble a lot for speaking into things that I saw in adult, like I was reading the energy. I didn't know it at the time. And I would like call someone out on something and they would, <laughs> they'd get really nasty. And so I, I like, started to, you know, numb, numb my intuitive gifts and my ability to see, you know, some of those things. And, you know, had the typical masculine journey in New York where there's a lot of uh, self-destruction and, but also a lot of athleticism. So I was a very competitive martial artist and, and basketball player and athlete. Um, very grateful for my exposure to nature, even though we grew up in New York, my, our, you know, my family was into hiking and things like that. So I got this balance of urban culture 
with uh, a high emphasis on the arts and a lot of um, exposure to nature. And, and I, got, I got in trouble in high school a number of times. You know, I got involved in gangs and other things, and I ended up... Wow, you, got, you were in gangs? I was involved really heavily in graffiti and, and gang activity and... and uh, wow. I'm like shocked. Other... Like gangs that actually like kill each other and sell crack? Um, not to that extent, although I had friends that sold crack and things like that. It was more like... Graffiti uh, gangs. Yeah, graffiti. But there was, I mean, it was, there was drugs and, and violence involved. It just wasn't... Wow. You know, not like I was running with the Crips or the Bloods or something like that. Right. Um, but that was like very around when I was a teenager, like people getting slashed for no reason for Bloods to get initiated. And so gang culture was around my life. Um, and, and I was, I was someone that grew up bridging a lot of these different worlds. So I had friends in the projects that were in gangs that were like really close companions. And I had like my childhood friends that I like played board games with. I was like a nerd with, and I had friends in like the hills of Staten Island that were like, pushing, you know, clubs and organizing wedding. But like, I was friends with all these like wider range of human beings. And that's kind of, as an old soul, I've always been that kind of, like I'm a unifier. I, I recognize the, the gifts and the shadows in different, you know, subcultures and communities and, and, and able to walk authentically between these different worlds. And so later on, that served me really well, bridging, you know, indigenous cultures and entrepreneurship and transformational festival culture and spirituality and business and all these, all these worlds. Cause I, I can relate. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I grew up in New York to anyone about anything at any time. Like you could just drop anywhere from a gang yeah. in New York city to a spiritual retreat in Bali. Like you <laughs> literally, wow. You, you definitely are like a, a shapeshifter, right? You can, you can just, you can find a way to, the common humanity in everyone. Yeah, and it's it's been something that that on my journey, distilling certain like essential qualities in a way that still pushes my edge as an artist and offers a genuine transmission within personal growth. Because I want to reach as many people as possible. You know, I I have literally gone from like a hut in Mexico to a mansion in San Diego within the same day. You know, wow. like literally bridging worlds, and so. I think that in a, in a world where there's so much separation and divide and polarity and, and projection and what, what the Native Americans called wetiko, which is this shadow projection, this, this, this endless greed, mm. and, and where that rivalrous energy is splintering the coherent fabric of the human spirit. And so I, I really take my role as a, as a sort of a peace ambassador and bridge really seriously. And I bring it into my consulting work too. I help a lot of founders work through issues, um, relationship coaching, you know, these fundamental patterns show up no matter if you're in the jungles of the Amazon or if you're, you know, in, you know, San Francisco tech space, these, these like little nuanced areas of where human beings can miss each other and, and where like rivalry can really like seep into the consciousness to create, yeah, these, these really strong polarities. And I think that we need to work through these things in ourselves and as a culture in order to create a world that works more for, for more people, you know? Um, so that's a big, that's, you know, just to, just to like bring it full circle to my awakening journey and what got me on this path. You know, I got, I had a really strong experience uh, in college. So I basically had a healing crisis when I was 22 and that high active octave, you know, athleticism and pushing my body and, and, and having years of actually numbing my sensitivity sort of caught up to me. 
and I had a lot of grief from 9-11. So I actually, I actually lost my brother-in-law in 9-11, who was a firefighter. Yes, that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's totally, it's okay. Thank you. Um, an intricate part of my journey. Like I'm, I'm actually in very deep communion with his soul. After that, he actually was a guide for me. His spirit was a guide for me into the unseen. And, um, but at the time I didn't know that obviously. And, and I went through a huge, yeah, basically my body shut down at 22. So I went from being this really active martial artist, athlete training really hard to basically walking with a cane overnight. And so obviously that's, that'd be devastating for anyone's ego when you're that young to not be able to move anymore in the way that you're used to. And I actually found meditation through, through that. And the kind of flow state that I would get through basketball and through running and through martial arts, I found sitting for the first time one day. And in that stillness, what I call the living stillness of the universe, this sort of zero, zero point energy of where time stops, I had these memories come back to me of, of other lifetimes and, and this, this feeling that was so visceral in my body of peace and stillness that I only tasted in movement. And when I came out of that meditation, I knew I, I had found what I'd been looking for my whole life. It was the cure to my ADD. It was the cure to my addiction. It was the cure to all these things that I had struggled with throughout my, my youth and teen years. And I basically just devoted my life to that feeling. And within a few days, I was gifted a copy of Autobiography of a Yogi and basically disaffiliated from my fraternity. So I went from, from gangs to fraternity, right? It's a dense world, typical male journey at that time, to basically I, I stopped eating meat, watching TV, drinking alcohol, smoking pot, and other, other miscellaneous substances, like all within like a few days. Once I read wow. that book, I was like, boom, I know what the heck I'm here to do. I'm like, and just basically graduated and went right to India. And that was over 15 wow. years ago. So I never looked back. I never entered the nine to five world. I never... Um, went through other crises like that in that way, let, lots of initiations. So basically it's been a 15 year journey of studying with different cultures and, and master healers and master teachers um, and getting a kind of a wider range of authentic experiences within these multiple lineages that rounded me out um, to understand uh, sort of integrative spirituality. How, how does a soul exist inside of the body? Um, how, how does energy work, subtle energy, the subconscious the higher self, all these aspects that make up the totality of our being. And so it's been a pretty like wild ride 15 years, like some things that I, I, I couldn't talk about on here, or movies worth of material, but um, it, it's been a, it's been a beautiful road and I'm grateful to be where I am now because <laughs> it wasn't because easy. You studied with multiple teachers and multiple lineages. So yeah. Tell us about some of the different teachings or maybe the yeah. common denominator of all of them or what your takeaways were from going to all these different cultures. I'm really curious to hear about your journey. I know those are like 10 mm. questions in one. But yeah, it's a lot. Excited. It's exciting to me <laughs> that you went on the spirit. You know, I've had that book, Autobiography of a Yogi, like collecting dust. Like a lot of people have the book, of Course in Miracles, and they never yeah. crack it open. Literally, I've had it like, you know, it's next to my couch right now on the coffee table collecting dust. And I believe that the universe speaks through other people. And I am going to crack that book open crack it tomorrow. Open. <laughs> Go on the journey. That journey, has, that book has such a powerful transmission in it. So for me, the way that I could summarize it, my friend, is, is that 
I felt like I was re-walking the many lineages that I had already walked as a soul and getting the pieces back that I had forgotten and letting go of the, the aspects that were no longer serving in this lifetime. For example, going into yoga and the Mahasiddhic lineages first and the Tibetan yogic lineages, Tibetan Buddhism, and, and then eventually moving more into North and South American shamanism and Mayan ceremonies and learning sweat lodge and working with plant medicine for about eight and a half years qigong and tai chi um because i wanted i still like the martial arts but i needed something softer and and life was moving me from being this very fiery person to to becoming more integrated and slowing down and deepening and grounding because i was so once i started working with the plant medicines i, bl I blew my channel wide open i went so deep into spirit world that i got very ungrounded and then entrepreneurship grounded me back in so i had this full circle journey where i've gone from you know energy healing into shamanic healing and all those things and, and coming full circle back down into the body, into like the deep inner child work, relational work. So, you know, the teachers vary everything from, you know, Lakota, you know, sun dancers that, that poor lodge that, you know, adopted me, initiated me to. Now where um, were they? Uh, all over. I mean, so basically when I lived in New York, I used to host different elders once I got on that path and we, I would help organize ceremonies and, um, and then, you know, in California and, and just built relationships. And I started to get recognized. These elders would actually recognize that I had what they call star wisdom. And this is the, the original teachings before the colonization of our, of our, that we originate from the stars, most of us. And that that's that essence of our star seed, as they call it, this, uh, this, this identity beyond identity is, is comes from, is rooted in that great compassion. So the way that I look at some of these different prophecies that these different cultures talk, because there's, there's, I love when the things intersect, you know, and when it comes to esoteric movement practices like Qigong and yoga, I would just go, I would just geek out so hard on where, okay, they're, they're doing this in the Himalayas, the Taoists are doing this, the Tibetans are doing this, and they're also doing this in South India and Sri Lanka and the Philippines. There's probably something to that same technique if they're all doing it. And there's this, and I would just geek out on those things. Same thing with these prophecies, you know, when you have someone in the heart of the Amazon that's never seen or heard the word snow mm -hmm. and yet in his visions has seen a white bear in the north. That's pretty cool. You know, yeah. so I would pay attention to those kinds of synchronicities and, and, and that started to build a worldview. I would say a, a, an indigenous worldview started to be, uh, started to enter my consciousness and through, through being in those ceremonies enough, I started to clean a lot of the, you know, colonial programming and other programming that, that, is very fear-based, separation-based, control-based, um, and where the art of surrender and where the art of having a relationship with the, with the living universe, that stones are alive, trees are alive, the stars have songs, the plants have songs, like that whole, you know, concept became a reality over time. And that level of aliveness was quite overwhelming at one point, especially when you're dealing with all the relational stuff, you know, you could talk to a tree all day but if you don't know how to maintain connection with your partner when they're freaking out like what, what's the point right so not only was it was i going deep into these shamanic initiations i was also learning how to be a human <laughs> and actually relate and actually be in connection and in community so a lot of times a lot of sensitive people are people like deep into spirituality they have a hard time with the business or they have a hard time with with relationships because yeah. they're they're having all this information come in from the subtle realms or need to go inward and there's stages and phases where that that may be the case so for me these universal teachings you know at the heart of it for me you know is is compassion 
compassion is really a root a root uh, value that 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 I'm oriented through it all towards. And so, you know, what you know, I mentored in bioenergetics for twelve years. That's a modality of therapy and healing and moving trauma. So, to me, it's 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 where these different modalities approach trauma that yeah. there's merit. And so there may be different, you know, in EMDR, for example, is a, is a trauma healing modality or EFT, you know, they might work with the energy, but not have words for it. They might have like a whole other different word for it, but it's still accessing similar parts of the brain and the right. body might transform similarly or the, the emotional release that happens is similar. So the, the parallels are breath, sound and movement. We, we release energies through the breath, through tears, through sound, through, through purging, uh, and that could be cleansing, that could be, you know, from, you know, varying orifices, you know, there's like all these I ways that, when I met you. <laughs> yeah, you know, we could getting well, you know, so there's, yeah. there's all these different ways that we move energy. Right. And so for me, it's like getting to the core of what moves energy. Go back and to how that. To, breast, through breast, through sound, through what else? Through breath, sound, movement, tears, um, and through, through purging, through cleansing, whether that's you know, vomiting or, you know, whatever, moving energy effectively. Um, right. And so when catharsis happens, uh, people can convulse and shake. Their kundalini can come online, which is their dormant life force energy that, that it comes out of a, of a held state and starts to awaken in the body. Uh, because we're, we're actually, we're, we actually are nature. Like human beings are intimately woven with nature. And this is the thing that has been most infiltrative of, of our journey for most of us in the West, in the modern world, is this subtle but gradual indoctrination in ways that, that disconnect us, actually from the depth of, of being a, a being within the whole cosmology. Like we have a place in this universe, and we happen to be located on Earth, but we have a place in, in this universe. And so that, that disconnect from nature is where a lot of dis-ease actually stems from. A lot of... Uh, I mean, Western culture is disconnection from everyone. From nature, from humanity, from yeah. each other, from animals. And yeah. now people are just, you know, at home staring at their phone. They're even disconnected from each other within the same home. So yeah. I love that your teachings are about unifying. So I know that you are a movement maker. So let's talk about what is your movement about? Yeah, so... Well, yeah, I think it's, in essence, what we're getting into is, is yeah. transitioning from a culture of disconnection to a culture of connection would be a yeah. great way of saying it. Um, I want to bring the earth narrative back to humanity and the global village culture back to humanity. So, you know, I believe that we're, we're facing certain critical choice points in our journey where we're, we're going to have to make adjustments one way or another. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, do you wait for crisis to happen or do you start to flow with the river and start to... Oh, it's happening. I yeah. mean, you missed, I don't know if you saw it, you probably are like way too high vibe to watch it, but there was <laughs> the a, debates. a brutal debate last night. There's a pandemic. There's a lot of um, movements, you know, that are trying to right injustices from the Me Too movement to the racial injustice movement and black lives matter. Like we are in crisis on so many yes. levels. So how do we go with the flow and reinvent ourselves and stay in this model that you're teaching about connectivity and compassion when 
there's so much anger and there's so many different perspectives and people can't find their unity. I I lost my best friend of 25 years because of her political view, you know? I mean, it's tough. It's really sad. It's really sad when that happens. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're culture divided and, and thank you. It's very intentional. It's a divide and conquer strategy, actually. Yes, it is. Because when people are fighting, then those that pull the strings can manipulate through fear and other things. And so, you know, it's it's really, um, it's pretty nuanced. There's not like a, a simple answer to what you're sharing. Right. Um, but what I'll, what I'll say is that anger is a stage of healing. Mm. Anger is a sacred no in a lot of contexts. And what's what we're basically living on a triggered planet right now. And when yeah. we're triggered, when we're triggered, we're accessing woundology, what I call woundology. Mm-hmm. It's the sacred wound is held in the archetypal existence of, of being a human being. So we all come in with sacred wounds. We all come into lineages with unresolved trauma that's been epigenetically handed down. And we all have our own soul's karma and our own soul's journey where we've accumulated experiences that we're here to work out on earth in earth school. Yeah. And, and so the, the path of, of unity must start with unity within. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really like what we can all, all ultimately do is take self-responsibility for our emotional trauma. And if enough people start doing that, then we, we dismantle the systems that re-traumatize, mm-hmm. right? So basically being on a triggered planet, if everyone's triggered, they're, they're in an emotional state of a version of themselves that's frozen in time. So as we know, when, when we're triggered, we're less likely to make a conscious choice, right? Because we're in reaction. And so this is, this is a lot of it's intentional. And, and what we can do is we can start to work with the frozen emotional energy that, that the less we need the outside to shake it out of us, because life is going to move the energy one way or another. The collective of humanity is going through an initiation doesn't know it. Right. When, you're on a, when you're on a spiritual path, you opt in at some point because there's no choice. Right. I was opted in at 22 without any, I wouldn't have chosen that. Why would I choose walking with a cane suddenly? But life moved something and it brought me into connection with the material that had been frozen inside of me to free up that frozen energy so that I could become a whole being. And so a lot of these things that we view as bad or wrong are, are processes that are like, we, we have to learn how to zoom out from the personality's lens into a, a, a higher perspective because it's, it's, we're looking at it as a mass initiation without corruption so blatantly obvious, how would we ever change? Right. The darkness, the darkness on the planet, the evil, the, everything from trafficking of children to the political corruption to the burning of the Amazon, all these things, if they weren't happening, enough people wouldn't have the jolt of life saying, wake up. We need you get into your mission, start to heal yourself. You can't just sit on the sidelines. And so life's saying to everyone, no more sidelines. And what your unique part is to play, you have to find for you. And it's going to involve your own healing because those triggers, if we, if we, if we hold on to them, they'll run our lives. And that's yeah. not actually it's not actually fulfilling, right? To just be right. run by all the triggers and be in reaction and fear all the time. It's not, you know, that's who wants to live that way. And and for a lot of people, it's it, you know, I, I'm saying this as a person of privilege that, you know, you, once you get off the battlefield, you can start to grieve. But a lot of people are still on the battlefield. 
And yeah. so they have, they have to play that out and let life purge it out of their energy field until they exhaust that fight and they go inward. Just like the, the caterpillar, once it's consumed enough, goes inward and becomes a whole other being. We're in, that, we're in a version of that metamorphosis process. It just looks really freaking chaotic and messy right now from the lens of the personality, but from a cosmic perspective, everyone's stuff is being triggered to move the frozen energy that hasn't been looked at. The light of consciousness is bringing it into awareness. Yeah. Because how, I mean, it, can't, energy, it can't heal otherwise. The energy of the world, if you look at it on a worldview, is moving really, really fast too. It's yeah. getting, I don't know if you feel it in Bali because you're in a very, you know, slower, more spiritual culture, but can you feel how fast the energy is? The oh, world. yeah, and just because like, I'm here doesn't mean I don't feel everything that's happening <laughs> in the state. It's, it's, it's again, the, something can't heal in a vacuum. It needs the light of awareness to bring it up. And so we're seeing the things that have been hidden. We're, yes. we're, facing, we're facing collective karma right now. So right. all the unprocessed emotions from World War II, from slavery, from yes. indigenous genocide in Australia, like all these things are up right now. And we think it's something else, but it's actually like the emotional content. People feel similar to how people felt in World War II. They do. People the are comparing it to Nazi Germany, how people are feeling now. But if it was really that bad, there were like the FEMA camps and all the things they're talking about, we'd already, we'd already be there. So we're right. actually at a, at a crossroads where we can recreate that experience or we can all become empowered enough to heal on the inside enough that that cannot manifest in our reality because by the laws of the universe and i say laws these are these are laws of of vibration and manifestation of where you're vibrating you'll attract into your reality and so if there's hidden material that's 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 like deeply unsafe jewish ancestors that were persecuted and there's there's that unsafety there until you go in and you clear the unsafety and the, and the victimization and that feeling and you find your, your, your sense of personal power that says no and you don't feel helpless anymore, then, then the outside world actually, re, like the physical universe changes. And a lot of the, the spiritual warfare on this planet has been deliberately designed to disconnect people from their personal power, their awareness of being a divine being, of a star seed, of, an, of an, a, a spiritual essence because of how powerful we actually are. Mm -hmm. in co-creating our reality from that place. Because if we're in fear, if we're, if we're in a triggered state, if we're in polar polarity, then you could be manipulated. But if you're in your, if you're in your sovereign, I am presence as a soul, you're going to see what's going on. You're going to see the manipulation around you. Just like you can in a relationship. If you've ever been with a narcissist or in a, in a yeah. type of relationship that's toxic and codependent, you're hooked, but you can't get out. It, it's like, like the degree of, we right. have to break the codependency of our current systems that are toxic that keep us in a relationship with someone like Trump. They keep mm -hmm. us in a relationship with someone like these two-party system that isn't really like our last real president was JFK. Like the, right. system, the system's been broken and it's getting obvious enough to wake us up into being able to self-organize and be empowered enough to actually like start the community gardens and do things locally and not look for a mommy and daddy or an external authority to make things better. Like you make things better. Right. Starting in your own life, whatever that is. So, so what you're saying is to heal the childhood trauma, the inner wounds, 
so you can be integrated as a human being come from a loving place and that way you can't get manipulated by all the fear and the scarcity that that the current you know political leaders or just the world is using to manipulate you so i i tell people just to find your center like just to stay neutral like like you were saying with if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and you're codependent they can push your buttons but if you're healed you're like wow you know that person's really trying to push my buttons they're trying to manipulate me and and you don't get triggered when you come from like a integrated healed place so, yeah, not and not saying that as an ideal that needs to happen overnight. Like, yeah, just become yeah, healed and integrated. It's a lot of work. It takes yeah, it's not, a lot of work. Years and years and years of like coaching and therapy and all the different work that that you and I have done. I mean, I've been on a spiritual path now for thirty years. It's taken a lot of work just to get to this point of neutrality, sure. and I'm still sure. triggered every day. So. And that's that's okay. You know, it's it, and you know, it doesn't even require. Like one moment, one conscious choice can change everything. Yeah. And, and people are going to be given that opportunity to make life-changing choices like they've never had. There's actually an accelerated spiritual progress that can happen for souls once they yeah. commit. And especially if enough of us have been doing that work already, it's been put into the collective consciousness. So there's yeah. actually already a roadmap that's happened where it gets easier and easier for each generation or each person that goes through a wave of initiation in this, in this process of awakening on our planet those gates, we'll call them, those doorways that lead to another consciousness, that lead to a, a perspective more from soul, less from personality, leads to an, an, a next level of integration, next level of integration. Those doors, if enough souls go through that, it's kind of like a neural pathway yeah. in the brain. Like when we break an addiction, your neural pathways have to shift. The neuroplasticity of the brain has to change neurologically to create a new choice. Otherwise, the dopamine hit of this familiar choice of browsing through the phone or you know, answering that text from the narcissist, whatever, like until we create that new neural pathway, we can't make the new choice. But enough of us have been doing that on the planet up into this point that there's, there's, that's woven into the, the collective like consciousness of humanity. So the, those neural pathways out of the codependency and reliance and toxicity of our current systems, there is a way out. But you have to start with that choice of, oh, wait, like, what, what does an addict do to heal an addiction? You admit that you're an addict first. You start right. with, yeah, I have this addiction. Whatever that is, we all have them. We all come in with, again, with these sacred wounds. Every right. single person has a lineage. If you're in a human being, if you're a human being on the earth right now, you have a percentage of trauma to look at. And that's, that's just how it works. That's the setup. <laughs> you know? so, people in countries that don't have the kind of, you know, intense urban culture that we do even people in like from the jungle and the amazon they have sacred wounds too absolutely absolutely um i think that theirs may look different but again these are archetypal right so a sacred wound of someone in the jungle is gonna is gonna be facing their the pain of seeing the humanity destroy their home right it's different and the wound the wound of colonization and genocide uh, there are indigenous tribes losing their elders from COVID right now. Mm. It's, it has a, a, there's a more susceptibility in indigenous cultures. So, you know, there's been a very systematic persecution of indigenous people on our planet. And it's very intentional because the more that you remove the original caretakers of the land and the original caretakers of consciousness in many ways, 
and you separate people from their languages and their ability to pray and use these technologies of the soul, you weaken the collective fabric's relationship and connection to the earth. And so how we treat the environment, how we treat the earth, is how we treat indigenous people, how we treat indigenous people is how we treat the earth. There's no separation. Right. And so the sacred wound of the indigenous is, is a very different wound than that of someone that never even felt that connection with the earth. Right. But, but there's an intersection in that, like we all have that original blueprint of indigeneity in, 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 our, in our bones. We all had a culture at some point that went into trance to heal trauma that worked with the ancestors, that worked with fire, a drum, and a song. Mm-hmm. You know, from our Druid ancestors and Celtic lines and the Irish to the Germanic tribes in Europe. Like this, these ancient, ancient stories that have been lost in time. And we've been put into a box, a construct, as in, in the West now, that's lost its connection to it, the yeah. ancestor of our lineages yeah. deeply. And that's, that's, that is, a, that is a, a sacred wound that's very different than the modern sacred wound of the indigenous that's seeing the, 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 the modern version of that because we already went through what they went through. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our lineages a long time ago where we are the the predecessors of very ancient types of colonization thousands of years so we're we're a people that lost our original language yes and our original in our original ceremonies and our original technology living in a construct that was given to us where for where indigenous people haven't lot a lot of them haven't lost that direct connect they still speak their language they still have those technologies but that's why they're the most persecuted because the powers that were want people to be disempowered and be practicing and participating in the, in the constructs that were prescribed to them, not our original connection. Another thing that we've really lost too is our uh, tribe. I mean, we used to gather around the fire and share stories and be connected and support each other and, go through things as a tribe. And now, I mean, I guess Zoom is like a modern day fire. It's in a way, Zoom has kind of unified a lot of people from all over the world through technology. It's a double-edged sword right now, but it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Think of uh, the fire was the original television, television, television. Yeah. Yes, so tell your story, yeah. The light, the light that we're taking in is a very, it's an artificial light. Mm-hmm. People talk about false light and all these things. This is what real false light is. is, yeah. the, is the, the phone light, the fluorescent lights, all these things that change our neurology, you know? And so we got to find balance with this technology in nature. Otherwise, we're, we're going to fry our nervous systems out. You know, it's just inevitable because the light that we're used to taking in is, as primal beings is fire, sunlight, you know, candlelight. I encourage a lot of my clients to, to have a day off your phone, have evenings where you just use candlelight and just see the difference. Notice what's it like to not use lights for a day and just use candles. Wow. What's the quality of sleep like if you turn your Wi-Fi off one, one night? It's, it's, it's night and day. It's, it's, we've been moved from original light into false light. Yes. It's a real thing. It's, it's, a, it's, it's artificial light. And so we can, it's still television and it has merit. And of course, you know, I got an online business. I, I play the game, but it's, <laughs> we need, we need a foot. We need a foot in the natural world. And this is the foot of our, 
ancient future. Where we're going is not backwards, but it requires the original technology that we lost, the sacred fire, the, the tribe, being in community, rites of passage. Men have lost their rites of passage. Women have lost. They'll go through a sweet 16 or a, you know, a, a midlife crisis. Those are the initiations that we're given in the modern world. Men, are, men aren't brought away from their mother and individuated and find their place in the world with their tribe. They, they are self-initiated through society and it sets them up for a lifelong identity crisis because they didn't get that rite of passage or they create it in destructive ways. That's what I was going to say. It seems like there's tribalism now, but it's, it's negative. It's like, which political party are you in? And you have to hate the other one or it's your sports team or it's, you know, religion or race. It's like, there's tribalism from our ancient heritage, but it's it's not evolved tribalism. It's yeah, it's tribal warfare. <laughs> yeah, it feels the residual. Like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a unified tribe. It's just yeah, it feels exactly like tribal warfare, and I think that's kind of reverting back to the reptilian mind of mm-hmm. fight flight, the limbic mind, and yeah. part of being on a spiritual path is evolving. Kind of like your own journey from being in gangs and just being into sports to like hitting that huge physical bottom. And then you, you rose out of that like fight flight limbic mind to like, Oh my God, there's this whole world that I get to expand into and learn about love and compassion. And it's the same journey. Like you said, that you went through at a very young age that I hope our society does go through. And one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Michael Beck was says it is happening. And this yeah. is the old guard. It's kind of like in a horror movie, like you see the corpse in the bathtub and you think it's gone and then it just like, rah, like it comes up one more time to like scare the effing crap out of you before it finally goes. He's like, this is just like, this is the last phase of like the old systems that are no longer serving humanity. Like they're just having their final fight before they yeah. decay and disappear for good. And that's what, why it's so crazy what we're watching. Yeah, it's a beautiful mindset to have because it's going to give people enough perspective to start to make the adjustments necessary without it feeling like it's being ripped away from you. Because familiarity is a safety blanket that's preventing people from actually being with the unknown. Mm -hmm. And all the tribal warfare and all the polarization and all the political party stuff it's, it's where the ego construct needs to hold on to belief or identity to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Life, life is going to punch you in the face until you, until you stop running into the wall, right? You know, it's like, it's like hey, so you keep hitting your head against the wall. Eventually something has to happen. So, yeah, how it looks and what's actually going on are two different things. But I, I, I really prescribe to that belief, too. And from, from my elders say this is a purification stage. Purification happens before renewal. So we're in a huge purification stage where all the, like I said, all the karmic residue, all the unresolved feelings that have happened generationally, all, it's all up. It's all up for a review. It's all being, it needs to be felt because all the, the emotional body of humanity has been suppressed. We haven't been given tools to express our feelings. We've been shamed for significant feelings like anger or grief. We don't have grieving rituals. Everyone needs to grieve. Yeah. We, we, instead of fighting, we need to be grieving. But there's yeah. still that we have to exhaust the fight first in order to get to grief. 
you know, a lot of times we do catharsis work with men in, in, out, in the, out in the bush, you know, and we get them to chop wood or we get them to slam a thing and get in touch with their sacred rage that, if you know, was around the, the women folk, they'd all feel really unsafe. So we, we create a sacred space to move that rage. And what happens when you get in touch with the rage after you move the rage is grief, is yeah. deep hurt, existential pain. And we've lost the ability to have grieving rituals. We've lost the ability to move that energy as a tribe to, to honor the stored emotions that are there. Because once that energy moves, then the beliefs change, then the outlook changes. It's the emotional energy that's shaping the thoughts and the beliefs. And it's a deep fear of the unknown. The ego yeah. needs familiarity. It feeds off of familiarity. Even like, for example, we talk about toxic partnerships. It's why people stay in an in a unfulfilling marriage or, or keep doing a, a, an addiction they know is hurting themselves it's more terrifying to leave even if it's more fulfilling than it is to stay because of the familiarity and how the ego works off of familiarity. So we're in a spiritual crisis on the planet. But spiritual crisis leads to breakthrough and breakthrough yeah. leads to change. So it's like, like Michael Beckwith said, I 100% agree that we are in the thick of the purification stage of our yeah. collective ascension right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're lucky you're in Bali. <laughs> you can watch it from even even though I know you feel the energy that you're like a super empath, but you're at least physically distanced a few thousand miles away. So I could talk to you all night about your studies and how you work with people, but I would love just for you to tell my listeners, how can they keep in touch with you? How can they work with you as a coach? How can they learn more about your movement? Well, thank you so much again for the opportunity. It's nice to share with everybody. You know, um, I like making, like if anything didn't really fully make sense or there's questions, I'd love to hear from your listeners to just see what yeah. resonated and what, what's like, what the heck do you mean when you say this? Because uh, <laughs> so, so basically Luke Cohen, L-U-K-E-K-O-H-E-N. So that's my Instagram and my website. Um, I do do one-on-ones still. Um, I have programs uh, group programs. Uh, it just really depends on what, what the person needs or wants. And, you know, typically work mostly with spiritual entrepreneurs to help them in more of a self-mastery process or when they have a big transition and need some healing and want to get to the, some of the unfelt and unseen places in themselves that are maybe in, impacting their, their life. We go into those, those places. Um, but yeah. And I also just share a lot of inspirational content on, on Instagram, a lot of videos a lot of uh, like all my people have likened my Instagram page to a kind of like spiritual blog. So, you know, and, I and, love and your Instagram. That's how we reconnected. So definitely yeah. what is your Instagram handle so people can find it. At Luke Cohen, L U K E K O H E N. Same thing with the website, same thing on Facebook. Oh, I had one more question. Sure. Being in Bali, do you miss anything about the United States? I miss Sedona and I miss Mount Shasta and I miss my friends that live there, but that's about it. <laughs> Sedona, I've been to Mount Shasta. What, what is so special about that? I don't even know where it is. It's in Northern California. It's just another sacred site. You know, these are sites that I've been traveling to over the years to make pilgrimages and do ceremonies there and work, right. work with people there and these kind of power places where a lot of transformation can happen. And so... You know, we are all placed where we're meant to be. I'm very grateful. If I wouldn't be here, I'd probably be in Costa Rica or in Ibiza. So there's a lot of really sacred places around the world. And, and 
and we're all right where we're meant to be. You know, I, I know that can sound convenient for where I'm speaking to, but it has taken me a long time to to get to a place internally where that this is where I chose to be physically just in time. <laughs> just in time. Well, we're all in sacred places everywhere. Like I was on yeah. a uh, Zoom call where we were supposed to Google like what sacred Indian land everywhere. we were on, what tribe, yeah. like the whole, yeah. everyone in the United States is on a sacred Indian site. That is a powerful and awesome reflection to offer everybody to hear. It's really true. We're all, we are all walking on sacred ground wherever we are, and to, and to acknowledge that is a powerful practice. So powerful. So, Luke, it was amazing. Thank you so much. I know it's the next day in Bali. It's so cool that, like, three years later, we're both, like, in totally different places, and I just love staying in touch with you on social media, and I love to collaborate with you and maybe do a retreat, go to your retreat. Like I feel that there's definitely more collaboration in our future because I really, I love your teachings and I love what you stand for. And compassion is the number one quality that I want to cultivate in my life is less judgment and more compassion of myself and the world. So I mm. love that you're a stand for compassion. So thank yeah. you so much for being on the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. And everybody who's listening, uh, we do not have sponsors yet, so we rely on the word of mouth to advertising. So if you got something from this podcast, which I'm sure you did, please share it with your friends. Please tell them about the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast so we can help people get to their next level and lead a balanced, happy life. So thank you so much again, Luke, for being on the show. And I am going to hit the pause button now. Sounds and great. Thanks for having me on. Aloha, everybody. Yes, aloha. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week with another amazing guest. Thanks for tuning into the show. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows and answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. It's cold,